You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. I am so honored to be here, but before I say anything, my mom raised me in a way. She said, hey, when you go into someone's house, you acknowledge the parents, you know? We all have that, that kid that shows up to your house, and he is bold enough to go in your fridge, bold enough to sit on your couch, but he can't say, hey? You tell your little friend he can't come over here anymore. I don't care, all right? Because he showed up and he didn't honor. And so I kind of like taking that principle that my mom taught me for homes and applying it to when I go into different churches because this is the house of God and this is a home and I think it's important to honor. Um, you know, I'm gonna preach for the next few moments, but this is just a moment. It's gonna be 30, 40, two, three hours. Who knows what's gonna happen? But. Um, but the reason that we are here is not necessarily because of anything that I've done. I'm a young man just getting started in my ministry, but it's the reason we're here is because we have some great pastors, don't we? We are blessed, aren't we? And I think it will be important to honor and give honor to where honor is due. But uh, I'm honor the current pastors of the house. But before we do that, I want to honor the founding pastors of this house, Pastor Mike, Pastor Dean. Can we stand up and can we honor them? No, you guys can sit down. You've been standing for years. You are worthy of this season. We thank you for your integrity. We thank you for your commitment to God and your commitment to this community. There was a lot of times you could have gave up. There was a lot of times you probably thought about it. But look at what God has done through your faithfulness, the both of you. You are incredible pastors, incredible preachers, incredible parents, and I hear you're the greatest grandparents in the world. So can we just honor them? Can we say thank you? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And this is why this is important, church. You know, we're living in a day where a lot of pastors, not a lot of pastors, but unfortunately, you know, the media will cover the pastors that are falling and not the pastors that are actually succeeding. And unfortunately, we always have people that fall and make mistakes. Being in ministry is not as easy as people think. Believe me, it's more than holding a microphone and showing up on the weekend. Believe me, so be praying for your pastors. But when God provides pastors that walk in integrity, it is beautiful. And as pastor was describing me and how being authentic, which I try my best to be, but it's really cool to be in here. It's refreshing to be in a house that was built not on a personality, but on the presence of God. And I just want to say thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Let's honor him one more time. And I believe that you are all so blessed. You know, when I was 16, we had this preacher come to our church and he said something I'll never forget. He said, God gives gifts to the church in the form of leadership. And he said, if you want to know if you're blessed, I want you to look at your pastors. And God loves y'all so much. You know, the local church, usually there's about one senior pastor. That's how we usually do it. But God says, I love y'all so much. I'm not giving you one. I'm not going to give you two. Lord, I'm not even giving you three. I'm giving you four in the name of Jesus. And so can we thank God for our pastors? Can we give it up? Can we honor them? Can we thank God for them? I don't know where y'all, where they go? They left? Oh, hello, sir. You look good. What y'all doing back there? Y'all ain't doing nothing bad, are you? All right, just got to make sure. So appreciative and so honored to be here. Listen, I am under the covering of who I believe is one of the greatest pastors and preachers in America, Pastor Jensen Franklin. I get the opportunity to be from his amazing church called Free Chapel, and I am blessed. If you ever find yourself in Gainesville, Georgia, I don't know why you would, but if you do, 
Um, you know, look us up. DM me. I would love to get you a seat in the church and allow you to experience free chapel. And, you know, just because I'm not here, I just, I told them I'm the black cousin now. I think I'm a part of this house, all right? So if you're ever in Gainesville, come hang out with us. I'm married to an incredible woman. Her name is Victoria Rowland of five years in November. No kids, but we do have a dwarf dog named the Holy Ghost because I love Jesus, all right? I love him. I love him, all right? And I have a little dog, and maybe next time, uh, maybe in a year from now, I have a baby. That's what I'm believing for. I think it'll be really cool. My wife's Hispanic, I'm black. I feel like our kids will be like Miles Morales, the Spider-Man, you know? So I'm really believing for, for great things in the future. Listen, um, for Pro Presenter, can we give it up for all the volunteers in the house that serve? We thank you guys. Um, I'm so sorry. I, I'm, I'm changing my sermon again, so you guys don't have my scriptures, so you guys just chill. It ain't your fault, it's my fault. I need to be a better manager of my time and efforts. And so um, I was sitting down, and actually in between services, I was telling Daniel Stango, who I also want to honor. Daniel, can you stand up? Can you stand up, little brother? He's been with me since he's 14 years old. Ladies, keep standing, keep standing. Ladies, listen. Listen, he's 25, all right? He loves the Lord. God's going to use this boy to preach around the world. I really do believe it. I'll make sure of it. And outside of that, none of that's really important. The most important thing is he has good credit. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. That we, we looking for a co-signer. You know what I'm saying? Trying to buy a house. And if that's what you're looking for, Daniel is the man for you. So love, love Daniel. But I was telling him in between service, believe me, if y'all meet, like I'll do the wedding for real. I'm like dead serious. So um, let's get this thing happening, bro. I got to get him married real quick. Um, but I was telling him between service, I felt like God was just kind of working on me for the word I was going to preach. And hopefully if I ever get invited back, I'll preach that message. But I felt like the message that God gave me today for this specific service is prophetic in nature. And I really believe it's for all people. I don't say that lightly. God doesn't always do that. Usually I'm, I'm going to preach what I send in and, and, and usually that works. But sometimes there's these divine moments where God will just say, hey, I need you to say what I'm telling you to say. It doesn't need to be polished. It doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to have the presence of God on it. And so it's going to be good. And so, um, I'm going to be reading out of 2 Samuel 21, 2 Samuel 21. I'm going to read a few verses. I'm going to read probably, let me see, probably 10 verses. And for some of you, that's a lot because you haven't been reading your Bible. So I'm going to read it for you. No conviction, but if the shoe fits, that's all I'm saying. Verse 15, there was war again between the Philistines and Israel. And David went down together with his servants and they fought against the Philistines. And David grew weary. And Ishbi Binab, one of the descendants of Goliath, of the giants, whose spear weighed 300 shekels of bronze and who was armed with a new sword, thought to kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, came to his aid and attacked the Philistine and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, you shall no longer go out with us in battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. After this, there was war again with the Philistines at God, but then Sibachai, the Hushite, struck down Saph, who was one of the descendants of giants. And there again was a war with the Philistines at Gab, at Gob. And Elhanan, the son of, Ju Ju mm, um, I don't know how to say it. You know, there's some words in the Bible where you just look at it and you're like, God, you don't even know how to say it, you know? So we're just gonna keep going, okay? The Bethlehemite struck down Goliath, the Gideonite, whose shafts, whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there again was war at Gath, and there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand, who had six toes on each foot, 24 in number, and he also descended from one of the giants. And when he taunted Israel, Jonathan, the son of Simei, David's brother, struck him down. These four descended from the giants in Gath. They fell by the hand of David 
and by the hand of his servants. And then going into chapter 22, verse 1, it says, And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song. On this day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of his enemies and the hand of Saul, he said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, and my refuge, my savior. You saved me from violence. Can we just thank God from the things that he has saved us from? I'm not even getting started, but can we just thank God from the things he saved us from? Some of you remember where you used to be and he saved you from it. I called upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. I am saved from my enemies. I wanna preach a message entitled from generation to generation, from generation to generation. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, I ask that you would use me to give this prophetic word to your people. God, I humble myself and I wanna thank you publicly for doing what you said you would do through me privately. I don't take this moment for granted, Holy Spirit. God, I pray over these next 30 to 40 minutes, minutes that the manifest presence of God would be sensed in such a way that everyone in this room would be changed by your presence. Lord, I thank you for who you are. Thank you for who you've been. And I thank you for what you're going to do in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. everybody said, amen. amen and amen. Thank you, sir, for helping me sound like Bishop Jakes. <laughs> I love that man. He's a cool man. He's a big man. Get ready, get ready, get ready, you know. Um, I am really excited to teach this sermon. But before I get to the place where, the, you know, there's a part in the sermon, MT, that's like the good part, where it's like, man, people like it, people crying, people are into it. But then there's like, sometimes you have to give context before we can get to that point. And so I'm gonna have to teach a little bit and hopefully that you can pay attention because if you don't pay attention, I don't need you to, but probably in an hour or not an hour, but in like 30 minutes, if people are crying, you're gonna be like, why are people, what's going on? You decided to scroll Instagram in the beginning of the sermon and you're gonna miss out on it. So you can stay on Instagram if you want to, but I think God wants to speak to you while you're here. And <clears throat> this sermon is really important, but you can't understand the sermon without understanding David. You actually have to know who David is. David is such a prolific character, not in the Old Testament, but both in the Old and New Testament. When people see Jesus, some people, there's a, there's a moment where Jesus is walking and there's a man. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. That son of David was a reference point to this man that I'm speaking through. It is from the lineage of David by which we receive our Savior named Jesus Christ. David is pitiful. Uh, is uh, pivotal. David is essential. David is needed. Without David, God could have did it, but God had a divine plan and David played a part. David was anointed as a young man. He was one of eight brothers. I'm familiar with that. I got 13 siblings between my mother's side and my dad's side. The woman in the front, she said, oh Lord Jesus, you know. Um, so I got a lot of brothers. I got a lot of sisters. I know what it's like to have a big family. And David is from a big family. And even though he wasn't the firstborn, in fact, he was the lastborn, God still had him first for an assignment. I want to say this to somebody, that even though you feel last, you're not last. Even though it looks like that you're not first, you don't need to be first because the Bible says the last will become first. And he has a way of getting you to the position that you're supposed to be. And we see this modeled in the life of David because God anointed him to be a king. 
But then there came a moment where all his brothers were in war. Now David was a young man. His dad, Jesse, gave him this simple task. He said, hey, David, there's this guy named Goliath. Goliath is taunting the people of Israel. He's literally a giant. He's probably like pastor, like your pastor. That's all I'm saying. You know, I saw, I was like, pastor, how tall are you? He says, six, seven. I said, why God make you this tall? And why can't God give me a little bit of that height? You know, I'm a short king up in this piece. You know, I wish I was tall. But Goliath was huge in stature. And for 40 days, the Bible says he would taunt the people of Israel. What you must understand is that someone had to fight David. Now, some people would wonder why, why um, Saul wouldn't fight David. But you actually see it in 2 Samuel, what I was reading. We couldn't lose our leader. So even though Saul could fight, it wasn't, jobs, it wasn't Saul's job to fight. Someone had to fight. And for 40 days, none of Saul's men would fight that giant. That giant is out there just cussing, making fun of the people of Israel. And Saul's like, none of y'all going to do anything? And they're like, nope. I'm not fighting that giant. You fight that giant. And so David's showing up every day. This is going up for about 40 days. And David's job is to bring lunch to his brothers. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. And then one day he shows up and David overhears this conversation. This conversation is very important for my sermon. If there's any point that I need you to listen, it's to this point. David shows up to the battleground and he's inquisitive, he's curious, and he starts asking questions. He says, what happens if someone kills that man? He said, I'm glad you asked, David. If someone kills Goliath, they get a house paid off, thank you, Jesus. Mm, I just felt the Holy Ghost almost fell out. House paid off, they get riches, and you get a wife. Come on, come on. David's like, all right. So David keeps asking people, his brothers don't like it, and there's always going to be people in your life that don't like you being curious about the things of God. It's okay, that's their role in your life. You need a big brother to deny the will of God, so when the will of God happens, you can say, in spite of you, God still did the thing he said he was going to do. So don't, don't look down on the people that doubt you, don't look down. I am so glad of all the people that told me I would never preach, because every time a clip of Tyshawn Rowland pops up, they are reminded that the thing you said will never happen, God did not take your opinion of me in, in consideration when he called me into ministry. And so I want you to know we all have big brothers that will try to get you away from your battleground. But David had to push through the fact that there were people that didn't want him to be there. In fact, even the people that are closest to him. And it's always hard to pursue the will of God when the closest people to you aren't standing with you. But David said, I'm still going to do it. And eventually Saul heard about David. Now, the crazy part about David and Saul David and Saul actually met. Saul, the Bible says there was a demon that was tormenting him, and his servant said there's this man named David, there's this young man named David, and David showed up, played the harp. When he would play the harp, the, the spirit that was bothering and tormenting Saul would begin to leave. When he would stop playing, it would come back, and David's job that day was to torment the thing that was tormenting his leader. I want to encourage every young person in here, do you know what your job to do? Torment the thing that's tormenting your leader. If you want to know what is God calling me to do in this season, serve your parents. If you want to know what God is calling you to do in this season, serve your pastors. If you want to know what God is calling you to do in this season, serve. Because it is in your service where you will find the significant call of your life. David gets in front of Saul and Saul says, who are you? Which is kind of hurt. Like when you know when you meet someone and you're just like, we already met, bro. And it's so like me, like, hey, hey, what up, Daniel? Hey. Tyrone? I was like, oh, Tyrone, like I thought we met. 
David had that moment with Saul where Saul was like, I wish your name. He's like, so I'm the guy that was, I'm Jesse's son. He was like, okay, well, Jesse, son, I appreciate you. Listen, I needed to feel encouraged. The fact that you even think about fighting this guy is really cool because I have all these grown men that aren't even thinking about doing it. But young man, you're too young for this fight. And David ends up telling something to Saul that Saul hears that makes David qualified to fight something that no one wants to face. The Bible says that David tells something to Saul. And if I was Saul, I would let David fight Goliath too. I don't think it was the anointing of God that, Dave, that Saul saw on David, because to be quite honest, I don't know if Saul saw it at this moment. I don't even think it was necessarily that David was so anointed that everyone was like, he has to fight it. I don't think that is what it was either. I think it was the fact that David told Saul, I killed a lion and I killed a bear. And Saul's like, oh my, are you serious? He was like, yes. And I will kill that uncircumcised Philistine too. That's Christian custom, y'all. He said, I'm going to kill that uncircumcised Philistine. And Saul's like, hold on, you killed a lion? And you killed a bear? Someone get this boy some armor. Get this boy some armor. And they try to put the armor on him, but it doesn't fit. I wish the Bible says yet, because what didn't fit him that day was going to eventually fit him one day. The thing that you're trying to fit in right now, you may not fit in it right now. It may not feel right right now, but there may come a day where the very thing that didn't fit is the very perfect fit one day. So don't look down on the things that you're not ready for today because God is preparing you for something. And David fights Goliath. He does it with a sling and a stone with a rock. Imagine everyone watching this. All these grown men are just like, what is this boy doing? He's like, <laughs> he's like, y'all ain't ready for this. And he throws it, just <laughs> hits Goliath, goes over, take Goliath's sword, cut his head, grabs the head, give it to Saul. He says, run me my money, run me that crib, and which daughter am I marrying? Let's make it happen right now. The people were so marveled by this man that they sang a song about him. Saul slain thousands. Before I go further, you know what slaying thousands means? Saul has killed thousands of people. Saul is scary. Saul has done some stuff. Saul has fought the battle. Sometimes we give Saul too much of a bad rap as if he was a bad king. You tried being a king for the first time when the nation's never had one. You trying being a king when you weren't raised to be a king. I'm, I'm pretty sure you would probably mess it up too. And Saul slain thousands, but the Bible says the song went like this. David slain tens of thousands. Ooh, that's hard if you're Saul. Like, why y'all put tens of thousands on it? You don't have to do that. And we see God begin to use David. Now, what's so important about David is that David begins to walk eventually in the calling of a king. What's so crazy about David fighting Goliath that wasn't a part of his calling. A lot of people don't know that. God did not anoint David to fight Goliath. God anointed David to be king. But David was willing to serve, and when he served, something on the inside of him that he didn't even know he had was revealed when he began to serve. Some of you are not seeing all that God has within you because you refuse to serve. You just think that the calling of your future is enough. No, there is something that God wants to do right now. There are some giant killers maybe in the room that God wants to raise you up for such a time as this. And for many years, for many decades, David was fighting. But eventually the true call of David took place where David has become king.
This is where we are in 2 Samuel 21. He's been king for a while. He's fought. Saul's gone. In fact, Saul's dead. It is David's time. David is is an older man at this point. Many theologians, which are people that study the Bible, believe that David would have been anywhere between his 50s to 60s to maybe even early 70s during this text. And it's important for you to note that because oftentimes when we think of David, we think of the young warrior that I described. But in his story, he's not that at all. In fact, David was like, he saw Goliath and he, he saw a giant. He was like, you know what? I killed a giant. I'm going to do it again. And so he gets up and he was like, this time I don't, I'm not going to do a rock. I'm going to grab a sword. But David wasn't moving in, in reality the way he was moving in his head. Because to him, he was a little bit older. David probably thinks he's like, but really, you're older now, bro. It's more like, I'm going to kill you. Just wait. <laughs> Just you wait. Mm. Put my ointment right there. Just put the ointment right there. I'm about to mess this boy up. And David goes to kill a giant, and the giant almost killed David. We're used to David killing giants. This is a story where a giant almost kills David. Four times during the text I read that they were at war again. At war again. Every generation has a war. And I need to say this to the church prophetically, we are at war again. Look at the news. Look at what we're fighting, dealing with with our children. Look at what we're dealing with with young married couples. Look at where we're going. Look at our world. Look at the things that people are laughing at and look at the things that people are crying about. Some people are crying about things that you shouldn't be crying about at all. And they're laughing about things that are actually anointed and they're making fun of the house of God when it is the house of God that you actually should be a part of. We are at war again. People are calling evil good and good evil. We are at war again. People don't know truth. People think that if I'm born one way, I can just decide I'm something else. We are at war again. Substances are running rampant in our nation. We are at war again. Now, for young people, you're not at war again. You're just at war. This is your first time being here. You you think you're the first generation that's been addicted to technology. No, just technology looked different. For us, it's Xbox, PS5 on Fortnite. For my mom and my grandparents, it was Atari. Different days. (laughs) Different days. Young people in this room, you think you're the first generation that experienced drugs? Come on. You need to ask your parents some stories. You're not the first one. But every time we're at war, we need a warrior. Every generation needs a warrior. What I love about this is that Abishai says, hey, hey, David, you can't go to war. Imagine this doesn't make sense because someone lower in rank is telling a king, you can't do that. And the reason that you can't do that, David, is because if you die, we're going to lose our leader. If I die, you just lost a soldier. I'm willing to die for the cause, David, but David, you're anointed to lead these people. We can't lose our leader. So God begins to raise up Abishai. Imagine David seeing Abishai. David has seen a lot of giants in his day. He's seen a lot of miracles in his day. But you know what David has never seen? He never saw a giant killer before. Usually he was the only giant killer. And this is the first time he's seen someone new. Abishai would have grew up hearing about the myth of David. 
He would have heard about this guy that was a young man that walked up with, with a sling and a stone and killed a giant. Da- Abishai would have been so encouraged by David and who he was, he would use his miracle as a blueprint. And I can understand that because as a young man, there's a lot of Davids in my life. There's a lot of ministers like Pastor Jensen, like Bishop Jakes, like Pastor Mike. There's so many leaders that I look up to and I almost borrow their blueprint and I say, God, I want to fight like them. And God says, I'm going to raise up another generation. And we see what God does. He raised up Abishai. He raises up Sibachai, which sounds like the most ghetto name. He was a black one. And then after Sibachai, I can say that. It, y'all can't say that. <laughs> I, I, y'all, if y'all say it, it's, it's different. If y'all say it, it's not funny when y'all say it. When y'all say it, it's like, why do they say that? But when we say it, it's, I'm just totally joking. <laughs> Abishai. Sibachai, Elhanan, Jonathan. Four young men that killed a giant in one story. The last generation had one. This shows us what God does in one generation, he multiplies in the next. God is going to, God is in the business of multiplication. The reason that I called this sermon from generation to generation is because you see something here that is so pivotal and needed for the body of Christ. We see two generations coming together. You got the young Abishais, the young Sibachais, the young Elhanans and Jonathans who are warriors but probably don't have wisdom. Because just because you win young people doesn't mean you're wise, it just means you won. Anyone can win a game. We watched people last night win a game. Your ability to catch a ball does not equate the fact that you're walking in wisdom. It just means you're a good warrior. But what we see with David is that David, we no longer needed David to be a warrior, but we did need the wisdom of David. And there are some people in this room that maybe there are some older saints, some seasoned saints that you've been wondering, is my time up? Your time is not up. You're not done. If God wanted your time to be done, you would not be listening to the sermon. You would be in heaven. But you're not done. But it's hard because you used to fight, David. So if I used to fight, what what am I supposed to do now? Am I supposed to fight harder and train harder? You can. But David, we don't necessarily need the warrior in you as much as we need the wisdom from you. And there are some people in this room, you are wondering what you're called to do. You are called to give that wisdom. If you have lived life, if you are in your 60s and 70s or 80s or even 90s, and if there's anybody in here that's 100, well, you don't got to do nothing. You just chill because you made it pretty far. But if there's anyone that's in that age range, we need you. We need you to pull this next generation. If you're somebody that's a great dad, we need you to come help father some young men that don't have great fathers. We need you to help father some young ladies that don't have great fathers. If you're in this room and you have wisdom on business, we need your wisdom on business with young people. Because we just think we can make money. We don't know what taxes are. You got to teach us. You got to show us. We need to know the stories that come from your wounds. We need to know the stories that come from your scars. We need you. If you're in this room at all, I'm telling you, in this season of my life, I just turned 30. I'm not calling my 30-year-old friends. I'm barely even calling my 40-year-old friends. I'm calling people that have all gray in their head. You got a little black in your head, unless you're dying it, but that's a whole other story. But if you have gray in your head, you have wisdom on your life. And you have something to give to the next generation. 
And what you can give to the next generation is your wisdom, is your perspective, is your security, and your love. And most of all, most of all is your belief. There is nothing better. Pastor Mike walked over to me, and sir, you would never know the weight of that word you gave me, but he walked over to me and just said one simple word. I just sat down. I was so overwhelmed because there's nothing better than someone older believing in the call of a young man. It's nothing better. What's hard is when people who are older don't believe in the people who are younger. What's harder is when people see, oh, there's someone young. The pa pastor told me in between service, he said there was someone that saw me advertise for preaching. They're like, I don't know if I really want to hear him preach. And I understand. I mean, it's like, I get it. And they said they sat in the sermon and God began to speak to them through this young 30-year-old who has no kids. All I have is a demonic dog. That's it. <laughs> but God still spoke through me for them. She saw, I, I still I may be needing that. But for the young people in this room, young being anyone under 50, and if you're over 50, you're not, I'm not saying you're not young, I'm saying you're established, you're different. You're established, we still need you. Don't take it personal, why are you taking it personal? Don't take it personal. <laughs> but if there's anyone in here that's younger, I need to show you a key difference between David and Alhannon and all these other young men. I opened up in the story in my sermon and I told you that when David fought Goliath, he got a house, he got a money, and he got a wife, and he even got a song. You know what Elhanan, Jonathan, Sibachai, and Abishai got? Nothing. No house, MT. Didn't even get a song. Jonathan killed someone with six toes on both feet. You know that boy can jump high. He killed him. <laughs> he didn't even get a shout out. In fact, the Bible says that they all died by the hand of David and his servants. My spectacular moment was regulated down to servant. And my question for anyone in here, my question for you, MT, is can you serve without a shout out? Or do you have to make it about you? There's some people in this room, God wants to use you so much, but you're so about yourself, so he's afraid to put you in your purpose. Because when you get there, you're going to get there being like, hey, um, where's my song? I want six toes. You better sing something about me. <laughs> hey, where's my house? Rinse due. Where's my house? Where's my wife? You got nothing. And I think something that young leaders have to learn is just to serve because you're called to serve. Serving doesn't mean stardom. It means service. Jesus didn't come to be served. The Bible says he came to serve. And I believe prophetically that we're going to see a measurable growth in this church over this next decade. You want to know why? Because young leaders are going to serve and older leaders are going to give wisdom. Young leaders are going to fight and, young pe and older people are going to give perspective. And when we come together, when one generation comes together with another generation, you know what happens? The people are protected. And we're living in an area where we are in desperate need of the body of Christ to come together. If you're in this room and you're hearing me preach and you don't have anyone young that you're investing in, invest in them. I'm telling you, you will get excited about life as you begin to invest in the next generation. And for a person in this room that you're like, I'm young, I want my house, I want my wife, I want it all. I get it. But can you serve the house of God? Can you serve the man of God? Can you serve in the battle? We need young warriors to serve. 
and we need old warriors to give wisdom. And when the old and the young come together, it is God doing what only God can do. The Bible says that there will come a day that we're living in the end days, and I believe, I believe we're always living in the end days until he comes, but the Bible says that young men will dream dreams and older men will see visions. My question is, is it my dream or is it your vision? What if my dream as a young man is your vision as an old man? We don't know exactly who it belongs to because it doesn't belong to either generation. This church does not belong to one generation. This is a multi-generational church. Your calling is not just for one generation. I know you love your friend Susie, but you gotta help these young people too. You need to hug them, you need to love on them, you need to show them what it's like to come to walk in wisdom. We need that. We need one generation to touch the next generation. And when generations come together, purpose is released in the kingdom. We see David, after they get the reward, they get done, it says they die by the hand of David and his servants. Something that the Lord had to deal with me earlier this year, I went on a fast because my pastor, Pastor Jensen, he wrote the little fasting book. So you know when you're under him, you got to fast. And so I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a 21-day water fast because I'm serious. I passed out on one of the days on a plane. Daniel was right there with me. I was like, this water fast is crazy. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I was fasting, and something that the Lord told me earlier this year was, Tyshawn, what if you never get what your leader got? Can you still serve me? And I'm going to be honest. I should say, absolutely, Lord. I had to ask myself why I got involved in this again. I had to step back from the mic. I had to reconsider my position. And I had to ask myself some tough questions as a young man. Tyshawn, what if you're not known? What if they always pronounce your name wrong? What if they never remember you? What if it's not you? What if you're just preparing for a David to come behind you? Are you okay with that? And I'm going to be honest, church, I wasn't. I wasn't. And so for a few weeks, the Lord had to deal with me, and I came to terms with this. If the people are protected, I don't care who gets the credit. If the palace is protected, I don't care who gets the credit. If my pastor is protected, I don't care who gets the credit. And when God can see that you don't care about credit, he will do so much in your life because he will know that once I start moving, you won't make it about you. You won't switch up. You won't get weird because you will know, hey, this is not about me. It's about the kingdom. And the way that David ends this as the band comes up is the way that I want to end this today. I'm sure that when David started seeing that God was raising up more leaders, I think it's interesting that there was four giant killers and you guys have four senior pastors. I didn't even think about that. I bet you David was like, God, you're doing it in him and her too? You're doing it in him and her? Wow. I bet you David started realizing, I don't have to worry and I don't have to have the pressure of being who I used to be because now I can be free to be the man I'm called to be. The verse that really made me want to preach this sermon, I'll show you what it was because it really shocked me. And it's the last sentence of verse 15. And it says, and David grew weary. 
I said this the last service, Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary for doing good, for in due season, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. But the Bible says that David, King David, singing David, Goliath killing David, the warrior David, the anointed eighth son David, the one that can play the harp, the one that can kill you with the rock, that David, he grew tired. And I'm gonna be honest, young people, listen to me. Your parents, your uncles, your grandparents are not gonna tell you this, but I'm gonna tell you this, and I'm, I'm, I hope I don't get in trouble, but they're tired. I can feel it as I'm saying it, you're tired. Oh, you have fought a fight. You have slayed some demons. You have been through some stuff and you are tired. You know, Elijah in the Bible was tired. He got so tired and he got so scared that he sat down, a man of God anointed by God to call down fire. He prayed that he would die. And God says, number one, take a nap and eat some cake. This is really in the Bible. Sometimes carbs can do amazing wonders for you. I'm telling you, you just grab a donut, suddenly you're like, oh, God is good. I don't know what I was even going through, man. Shoot, eat some carbs and take a nap. But when Elijah rose from the nap, full of cake and full of perspective, he said, there's someone I have for you. You prayed to die, so what I'm going to give you is a successor. I'm going to give you someone to invest in. You're tired? It's time for investment. And you've been spending years investing into your 401k, assuming that once you can start using it, you'll be done investing. No, now it's time to do the real investment. Now you're not worried about money. Now you're not worried about business. Now you're not worried about any of that stuff. Now you can just invest in the next generation. I would not be standing on this pulpit if people did not invest in me. I'm gifted, but I'm not that gifted. My mom prayed prayers, but they weren't that powerful. There were other people that had to show up in my life that had to help and invest me. Ty, don't talk like that. Because one day God's going to use you to go around the world. Shut up. God ain't going to use me to go around the world. Now I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> don't live like that. One day people are gonna model their life after you. No one's gonna model their life after you. Then I open up my Instagram, I get these scary DMs. Hey, you said this and I did it. Oh, Lord God, these people are listening to me. And I'm seeing God do things and you know what I'm calling on? I'm calling on wisdom. I know that there's some people in this room that you are tired and you are tired because you've been fighting and you have been believing and you have been fighting for your family. I know you're tired, I know. And I'm telling you, the best thing that you can do is begin to invest in the next. And for the young people that you aren't tired, you're like, my bones don't hurt. I'm good. MT said, I was up. Like, how many hours did you get to sleep? An hour and a half. Look at them in the front row, just wide awake. If that was some of y'all, y'all be like, I ain't coming to church. An hour? The devil is a lie. Old have wisdom. Young people have energy. I wanna challenge the, a businessman in this room. What if your greatest thing you've ever done in business was succeeded by a young man who did what you did in 30 years, he did it in three? Well, I don't want that to happen. No, if you do it, it is you. You may not be on the stage, but it's still you. What I believe God is going to do in this next season of this church 
I, I can see this as a video that you guys are gonna play in a few years from now. Say a few things and I'm just believing it. Number one, this building is not big enough for what God is gonna do. The city of Charleston is in need of us to get in, get in alignment because there's an assignment for this community. To look around and to see black, to see white, to see young, to see old, and to see anything in between. It's a beautiful thing. You know what the world needs to see? A church of different expressions of all types. Young, old, different, single, married, divorced, remarried, blended family, normal family, broken family, mixed family. We don't care. We need to see it all, because you know why? The local church is the hope of the world. And so I'm believing prophetically that there's big, bigger buildings. I'm believing that there's people in this room that you're gonna step into a level of financial security that you haven't even dreamed possible. And God is gonna give you resources to build the kingdom. Some of you are gonna write million dollar checks to this church in these next 10 years. Other of you are going to invest so much, I feel this, whoever's jumping, it's for you. There are gonna be preachers that are gonna come out of this ministry. Worship albums will come through this ministry. It's not gonna stop out of school. There's a college on the way. What God is going to do in this city, he's gonna double what he's done in these last 35. And you have the beautiful part of being a part of it. Well, Pastor Tyshawn, what is my job? Get in position. Some of you are in positions you shouldn't be in anymore. If you feel convicted, it's for you. Some of you are in positions and you're like, they hired me. And I'm gonna say this for me. I don't even know how I do this. People ask me, Ty, how do you get it? I don't know. I get up and I'm a normal dude and then I get the mic and I say a joke about ghosts and then after something takes over. It's the anointing of God. And I called older leaders, how do I manage this anointing? Hey, you pray about it, you fast for it, you get in the word about it, and you know what? It's the wisdom of the old that's teaching me how to be young right. What if God raises up this church to change a city? Last service, I preached a message. You can go back and listen to it. Joshua took a city. What if we take Charleston? I was asking, Pastor Macy last night, I felt in my spirit. I said, do you guys have plans to start a campus in another city? And she was like, we didn't even plan to start a school. But when God speaks, things move. And there's gonna be campuses. There's a campus pastor in this room. There is so many things that's going on, but all I need you to do is get in alignment. And I don't know, oh, do we come to the altar here, sir? Is the altar open? I, I wanna have a very interesting altar call, and I want you to leave your seat for this. If you're upstairs, I want you to leave your seat for this. If you want to be a part of what God is going to do in the next generation of this church, I'm not saying the next five years, I'm not saying the next 10 years, I'm saying the next generation. Well, I don't need to go up to altar calls. I used to do that when I was in youth camp, but remember how good an altar call was? I, I come up to altar calls, I don't even need it sometimes. There's been times I've been at altar calls, there's a whole bunch of women. I'm like, what did I, why am I up here? And we're all crying. I'm like, girl, what's wrong? What's going on? I just, hey, periodically, I just got to go to an altar call because I got to humble myself enough to get out of my seat and realize it's not about me. So if you want to be a part of what God is about to do in the next generation of this church, hear me. 
I want to give you an opportunity to respond. And I believe if you do respond, God is going to give you vision and he's going to give you strategy. There's someone that you've been praying about what to do next with your life. And I'm telling you, you come to the altar as you take a step. He's going to begin to reveal things. People are going to be illuminated in your mind. Ideas are just going to come down. So when I count to three for the sake of time, I want you to come down here. One, two, three. someone older to get some next to someone who's younger. I just want you to link arms. I just want to see you link arms. Don't grab hands because COVID was a few years ago. I remember. I didn't forget. I want you to link arms. I want you to link arms because God's not done. God is not done. He is just getting started with this church. Can we extend our hands, this couple first? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the founding leaders of this ministry. Lord, I pray that you give them vision and strategy for the next leg of their ministry. God, I thank you that they're not just pastors, but they are apostles, pastors of pastors. God, I pray increase financially. God, I pray whatever dreams they have left, Lord, that you do it through them. I thank you for their integrity, God, and I pray that you honor them significantly over this next season. But with everyone responding to the altar call, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are doing a work in this church. And God, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of the Lord. And God, we ask for you to do it again. God, raise up Abishai, raise up Sibachai, Give us Elhanan, give us Jonathan, give us the city. God, for every young man, give them the humility to submit to an older man. For every older man, give them the patience to deal with a younger man. God, I pray that we see you do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ask, think, or imagine. I pray increase finances. I pray increase love and marriage. And I pray protection over our children. God, I thank you so much for the leadership of this house. God, I thank you for Pastor Dave, for Pastor Macy, for Pastor Megan, for Pastor Luke. God, would you give them unusual revelation, increase their unity. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this city. Raise up, God, MT. Raise up, Anna Grace. Raise them up. God, we thank you for the future of this church. And I'm going to pray for one more person, and I'm going to step off the pulpit. Whoever wants to grab it, I'll be ready to hand it. Where's Jen at? Where's Jen? Where's Jen and, and Ty and Titus? Where they at? Hello, where's your husband? Palms are sweaty. Sweet. Oh, Jack. Wherever you are. Um, your marriage is going to increase the love of your marriage. You're about to step into the best days of your marriage. And God is going to continue to do great things in you through this church. There's more in you. And I bind the shame 
And I say, loose her and let her go. And I thank you, Lord, that she's stepping into a new season of wholeness, into a new season of healing, into a new season of strategy, that God is gonna give you ideas that are gonna boggle the minds of those around you. Share them, because there's gonna be someone older that's gonna say, hey, I've been there, I've done that, let me show you how to do it this way. In between your passion and my perspective, we're gonna change the world. God, I thank you for her. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that this word falls on good soil and it produces a harvest. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't go too far here, brother. And everybody, I want everybody just to stay right here. <clears throat> Come on, y'all can do a little bit better than that. Let's give him a hand. So I just want to say thank you. Church, we all just look. Look, this isn't what's happening in the world. This certainly isn't happening in the United States. It's not even happening in South Carolina, but it's happening right here at 3790 Ashley Phosphate Road. Whatever God wants to do in this nation, in this state, and in this city, it's going to start in our churches. And, and Ty, I think the word that you just get, y'all don't lose that word. I, I want you to record it. I want you to go tag it on the internet, on YouTube, however you're watching our services. I don't care what you're doing online. You need to tag this service. You need to listen to this service and last service, because if you didn't catch what he was saying, he gave two different messages in the last four hours. Listen to it, listen to it, listen to it. I can't emphasize it enough because I think the prophetic word that he had for every single one of us is absolutely astounding. Thank you. Meg, Luke, uh, I don't think my wife's here yet, but if you let Meg and Luke, I want y'all to come up onto the stage up here if you're in this room because I, I, want, I want us to return the favor. Y'all all right if we pray for him? Come on, yeah. Come on, Luke. Come on, Meg. And, and while they're coming up to the stage, let me, let me just say this. I was reminded of it last service. This was a story that I heard recently, and it, I think it just so applies this, this morning. When growing up in high school, I played basketball, and we had to do this awful thing called conditioning. <laughs> Five o'clock, we'd wake up in the morning. It was terrible, and we'd do nothing but run. Why we did this, I have no idea. I see some athletes, they're smiling at me. They know exactly the pain. One particular morning, my uh, coach looked at the team and said, okay, practice is almost over. I got one more uh, run for you. We can't leave until you complete this, which is called 16 and ones. Anybody know what a 16 and one is? Not the long ways of the court, but the short way of the court. You gotta run back and forth and touch the line 16 times in one minute. Straight from hell itself. We ran it the first time, we did not complete it. My coach sat down very casually, opened up a newspaper, said, I got all day. Y'all take all the time you need. Go, miss it again. Go, miss it again. 
17 times as a team, we endured the pain of doing that 16 and one. And I think the, the word that I wanna give to you because it just rang so loud when you were talking. I was so miserable in that moment thinking this is never going to end. Surely somebody's going to save us because the, uh, the, the school bell's going to ring and we got to go to class. My coach did not care about that because that school bell rang and we were still running. He said, the rule is you're going to finish this and then you will go on the 17th time. And here's what I want us to realize, whether you're a young generation, in the middle generation or old generation. You're not as tired or as weak as you think you are. There is always more fight on the inside. Read your Bibles, church. God does his best work in our darkest hours. He ain't done yet. Everybody go like this. You're breathing? God ain't done with you yet. You're not as weak and you're not as tired as you want to make yourself believe you are. We serve a strong God and he's got amazing, amazing things for you and for this church and for this city. Ty, thank you for your word. Luke, would you mind just starting us off with prayer? Church, would you extend your hands? Lord, we thank you for Ty Shom. And I just got a word that it was a little bit of last night, but this, this morning, you spoke greatness over us, Tyshawn. And it's evident that you're gonna do incredible things from a stage. It's evident that you're gonna sell out arenas, but your greatest ministry is gonna be at home. Your greatest ministry is gonna to be to your family and the kids you father and the wife that you have. Your greatest days are there the lack you grew up in will be multiplied in the kids you raise. I speak greatness over your family. I speak greatness over your life. I know you're gonna do great things in churches and arenas and all through this world, but I wanna give you the boldness and the power and the courage to go build the greatest family you can and stand with them together as you go minister and give life to so many. In Jesus' name. And the church said a very loud, come on, amen, amen. Come on, one last time, let's give them a hand. Megan. Let's go out with giving praise to God louder than we just gave praise to a man, because I know that's what he would want as well. Can we give one last praise to God Almighty and what he's doing inside of our life? Lord, this is for you. Continue to do what you're doing on this earth. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Lord bless you with an amazing Sunday. See you at worship night. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.